This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. When Genzyme won approval for an enzyme replacement therapy for Gaucher disease in 1991, the company launched a humanitarian aid program for rare diseases. Now, as part of Sanofi, the pharmaceutical company has continued and expanded the program, which now includes five different lysosomal storage disorders, as well as rare blood disorders. We spoke to Bill Sibold, Executive Vice President of Sanofi Genzyme and President of Sanofi North America, about the company's humanitarian aid program how it works, and how it overcomes the regulatory infrastructure and medical challenges of delivering these treatments to patients around the globe. Bill, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thank you, Daniel. We're going to talk about rare disease across the globe, the challenges people in many countries have getting access to existing therapies, and Sanofi Genzyme's humanitarian aid program. Perhaps we can start with the big picture, though. When we think of rare diseases where there are existing therapies, how well addressed are they globally? What, what are the challenges patients face with getting access to therapies? Well, thanks. You know, I think access to therapy is not unique to rare diseases. Uh, I think it's one of the issues that we have on a global scale, and it's something that uh, we're trying to address. Specifically, the way we're handling it with rare diseases is uh, through our uh, humanitarian program, where we have more than a thousand patients that are treated annually with uh, free therapy. And, you know, this is something which uh, when you hear the number a thousand, you can say, is that a big number or a small number? When you consider the size of these populations, it actually turns out that we have the ability to get to uh, actually many patients of, of that population. So this is, I think, a high priority for us to be thinking about, not only as an industry, but uh, specifically as a company. This is something which is really near and dear to our hearts, and we've been doing it for a long time. The Sanofi Genzyme Humanitarian Aid Program goes back to 1991 and was started by Henry Chimirich Genzyme when the company's enzyme replacement therapy for Gaucher disease was made available. Within the area of rare diseases, what is the humanitarian aid program? What does it do? Right. Well, you know, Henry Chimira, he was a real visionary. And uh, this program got started uh, actually at the time we launched our first therapy. When, when you think about these rare disease products, we were the first company to come up with a uh, lysosomal storage disorder uh, product. And it was something that the system had never seen before. 
You know, these are very few patients, uh, very high value products. And in order to get people on therapy quickly, often there needed to be a way to provide them with the therapy before insurance and everything kicked in. Now, what ended up happening was uh, outside of the US as well, uh, which is a very extremely developed system, sophisticated system, people from around the world started reaching out to us and asking for access to these medicines. And we've always put at the center of this company patients. And whether a patient is somebody who can or can't afford or lives in a system who does or doesn't pay, we put the patient first. And this was really the start of the program where we would work with the patient, with their government, with their physicians, with the communities surrounding them to try to offer them access to a therapy that could potentially save or transform their lives. There are two aspects to the rare disease program. The first is focused on lysosomal storage disorders. Can you explain what a lysosomal storage disorder is? Sure. Well, you know, in some people, and these are usually, there's a, there's a genetic link to this where your body doesn't produce a enzyme, which would break down something in your body, like a protein or a carbohydrate. And what ends up happening, if you can't break down the protein or carbohydrate, it tends to accumulate in certain parts of the body, usually key organs of yours, that starts to lead to a, a swelling, a dysfunction, uh, and uh, really a poor outcome for those patients. And what this does is it puts that natural enzyme back into the body so that those proteins or carbohydrates can be broken down so you don't accumulate the problem. The program covers five enzyme replacement therapies that Sanofi Genzyme developed and markets. How does the program work with regard to these therapies? Well, you know, they, it, 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 it evolves is really, the, really the, the, the starting point. We'll hear in one country from one patient perhaps, and this is a 30-year perspective here, and look to help that patient. And usually it turns out where there is one patient, there are more. So over time, what we do is we, we, take the, we put the effort in to work, as I said, with the government's with the regulatory bodies there, with the patient communities, et cetera, so that not only do we help that patient, but we help that physician with diagnosis going forward. A recent example is we just had our first patient in Nicaragua. And uh, soon, soon after that followed a second patient because the physician now had learned what to look for for one of the rare diseases, in this case, Gaucher disease, so that finding that next patient they had an awareness of it and made the diagnosis. I imagine it's, it's not just a matter of a, a physician reaching out to you, but you actually have to navigate some sort of regulatory hurdles that may exist from country to country to allow you to make the drug available in any given nation. What's the process you go through? Well, look, it is actually very uh, complex. You have to deal with uh, the various stakeholders uh, within any given country, which is the regulator, the physician community, you have supply chains that you have to work with. One of the things that has really helped the program is since the uh, acquisition of Genzyme by Sanofi, there's an opportunity 
to leverage the huge global footprint that Sanofi brought, that we can now have better supply chains and so forth throughout some of these countries, and also already existing contacts and relationships with the regulators and other key stakeholders that we have to work with. Well, walk me through how that's actually done, because I don't think many people consider supply chain issues, particularly when you have to deliver a drug in a nation that may not have advanced infrastructure and and may not be a place you're doing business under normal circumstances. How do you go about delivering a drug into different parts of the world? Well, I can tell you uh, at the core of it is a group of incredibly committed people. And not only people within the company, but people that are on the ground in any given country. You know, we have developed, we have delivered, I should say, products into war-torn countries or countries that have undergone uh, 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 coups, uh, always with the idea of going the extra mile to make sure that a patient gets the therapy they need and doesn't have their supply chain interrupted. So we make use of just the existing uh, channels that exist through the products that we currently uh, deliver. Uh, But we also are very creative and look for any solution if it has to be delivered, you know, outside of, uh, uh, to a small village somewhere, we we take the extra step and make use of uh, the local uh, resources that are available. And it's not just a matter of access, but it requires proper diagnosis of a patient, a physician's understanding that a therapy exists, and having the necessary infrastructure to administer a medicine are there are things you've had to do to address these other aspects? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, just significant education. And what we do in for any patient anywhere in the world, we do make sure that, that, that there is that resource around them. You know, it's, it's critical. Patient safety has to be first and foremost. So as you said, we want to make sure that there's the appropriate condition and expert training that takes place so that these products can be delivered in a way which is as good as it would be in the most advanced country in the world. To what extent do patient organizations exist in developing countries and what role, if any, do they play in your efforts through this program? Well, you know, we do rely heavily on uh, partners with local expertise uh, who have the relationships that really uh, help support patients. Now, it varies the level of, uh, of uh, sophistication, I'll say, of some of the patient groups. Often with rare diseases, there are so few patients, there aren't a lot of people to be part of that group. So oftentimes what we'll see is the family and the treating physician of a patient has created a small patient association because of the specific need they have as an individual or as a family. And uh, as time goes on and more and more people are diagnosed, these organizations tend to become a little bigger and more robust. So we work with everything from you know, the very earliest stage uh, patient organization to ones that have been developed over many, many years. Sanofi has made a number of acquisitions in the area of rare blood disorders. That's primarily been in the clotting disorder hemophilia. How big a problem does hemophilia represent and how well addressed is it globally? Well, uh, hemophilia is a large uh, problem 
you know, we call it a rare disease, but there's estimated to be over 400,000 people affected by hemophilia worldwide. And about 75% have limited or no access to diagnosis or treatment. So that is a big problem. And the, the challenge is if people aren't treated, uh, they rarely survive to adulthood. And those that do, they often face a life of real severe disability, isolation, and chronic pain. So it, it is a big issue that remains in the world. There have long been recombinant factor replacement therapies available in the United States. Is this primarily how it's been treated in the developing world? Yes, and um, the uh, World Federation Humanitarian Aid Program uh, does provide treatment to products to countries where there's limited access. And they have both the plasma-derived and the recombinant clotting factors that are used for both uh, factor eight and factor nine, so hemophilia A and B. Um, And they rely upon uh, donations uh, from countries, uh, pardon me, from companies to give to these countries to help identify patients uh, with these uh, problems and and help them. You know, for the most part, it has been for uh, emergency use, uh, but uh, more and more as there's a, a better program that has been developed, it's now trying to get to helping patients have more of a prophylactic use. So not in an emergency, but actually treating to avoid an emergency. You're working with SOBI to provide therapies to the World Federation of Hemophilia. How extensive is that program? Well, you know, it is a a very, very uh, good program. It's quite extensive. Uh, Sanofi is a founding visionary contributor to this program. And just to give you an idea, in 2020 with SOBI, we extended our support for this program to donate an additional 500 million international units of factor over a period of five years. And that's fulfilling a 2014 pledge that donated an unprecedented 1 billion international units for humanitarian use over a 10 year period. So it's very significant. And we are uh, by far uh, the company or companies with us and SOBI, um, the largest contributor to this program. And how does this program work? How, how does a patient ultimately get access to therapy? Well, the WFH actually plays a very significant role in this. And they are the ones that uh, actually administer the program and we work directly with them, which is a little bit different from our rare disease program where we administer the, uh, essentially the whole program. This is something that they had established uh, years ago. And with our donation um, going all the way back to 2014, it has really helped for them to expand the size of this program and to be able to work appropriately, just like we do with the patient associations and with governments around the world to make this program a reality. In the case of both enzyme replacement therapies and and factor replacement therapies, these are, are expensive treatments that require ongoing administration. It it appears we're heading toward a a new generation of one-and-done therapies designed to correct and cure genetic problems underlying these diseases. These are likely to be economical over the long term, but costly up front. How do you see these therapies addressing the particular complexities in developing nations, if at all? 
Well, you know, I think if you were to turn the clock back 30 years ago, when we first started in uh, this rare disease area, one could ask the same question. And I think what it takes is it becoming a priority uh, by companies uh, to find a way to fulfill some of these unmet needs. So I have no doubt that as those therapies are made available, that there's gonna be solutions that are found to provide a service like this. Sanofi's humanitarian efforts extend well beyond rare diseases to include infectious and, and chronic diseases. Given the scope of health problems and the finite investments Sanofi can make, do you ever find it challenging to make the case for what you do in rare diseases, given that these are expensive therapies that can only benefit a small population relative to the good you can do with a similar investment targeting infectious and chronic diseases that cost far less to treat and could benefit a far greater number of people? You know, the short answer is no, it's never a challenge. This is one of the key programs that is part of our uh, CSR strategy as well and has been uh, named. And it's something that regardless of size of population, it comes down to individual patients and the need that exists. So it's never an argument or a trade-off to say we're going to do uh, another disease versus these that we're focusing on. And I just wanna, wanna tell you, it, it, it really comes down to the culture of an organization. If this is something that you care about, patients are something that you care about, and you put that first, a lot of the decisions that follow from there are pretty easy. And let me just give you a, a short example. Uh, in, uh, uh, in about 12 years ago, when uh, legacy Genzyme had had manufacturing uh, challenges, where it led to an interruption in supply. It was, uh, you know, the darkest days of the company of, of the company's history, where uh, we couldn't fulfill the uh, demand uh, for patients. During that time, the uh, percentage of units that were committed to this program didn't change, versus when we had been at uh, unconstrained availability of product, which means just to put it, put it clearly, we have patients that stop therapy uh, occasionally. Uh, they either stop for medical reasons, uh, patients pass away, et cetera. And rather than reallocating that supply back to say a uh, paying market, uh, we kept that allocation to patients that were in this humanitarian program. And that is when a culture meets, uh, a, meets a crisis and a decision is made that is the decision that reinforces your culture. And it's something that is one of the stories about this program that I'm most proud of and tell it often. But there was a moment when we had a choice to say, are we going to stick to the values of this program and what we believe as a company or not? And every year, we have done so and will continue to do so. So the answer is, is that this may be a rare disease. There may be other diseases, but there's a patient at the end of this and we wanna make sure that we fulfill our commitment to them. Bill Sibold, Executive Vice President of Sanofi Genzyme and President of Sanofi North America. Bill, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.